welcome to the IOD's Director's Briefing Podcast. This podcast is produced by the IOD's Policy Unit and provides timely updates, insights and commentary on the key issues of the day impacting business leaders. Hello, everyone. My name is Roger Barker, and I'm Director of Policy and Governance at the Institute of Directors. And welcome to this latest edition of the IOD Business Book Club, where we're going to discuss that most elusive but important of concepts, leadership. And we're going to do that by reviewing a book entitled The Nine Types of Leader, How the Leaders of Tomorrow Can Learn from the Leaders of Today by James Ashton which was published in January 2021 by Kogan Page. And we're extremely fortunate to be joined today by the author himself, uh, James Ashton, who as well as being the CEO of the Quoted Companies Alliance, the body which champions smaller and medium-sized quoted companies, has also had a long career as a distinguished financial journalist and editor at papers such as the London Evening Standard, the Sunday Times and the Daily Mail. I'm sure that this has given him the perfect ringside seat from which to observe both the best of business leadership and the worst. Hello, James. Hi, Roger. Thank you. Thanks for thanks you for plugging all of my interests there. That was a great introduction. That's a great pleasure. And to discuss the book and the issues it gives rise to, I'm delighted to also welcome the chair of the IOD, Patrick McDonald, who's practiced leadership at a variety of organizations. And Patrick, I'll just name a few of them, Unilever, Boston Consulting Group, General Electric, John Menzies. Um, you're now sitting as chair or, or a board member um, at numerous organizations. And I, I also want to mention, Patrick, that you are both a chartered engineer and a chartered manager. So hello, Patrick. Well, that, that's, uh, that's a very long introduction, Roger, but uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And we're also joined by Jennifer Hooten, who, as well as being a chartered director and a former chair of the IOD Isle of Man, has had a long career with Deloitte around the world, was managing director of Annexio, and now serves on a number of boards. Hello, Jennifer. Hello, Roger, and I'm looking forward to today's discussion. And last but but absolutely not least, I'm delighted to welcome Rashmi Dubey, who is a multi-award winning entrepreneur, author and practicing lawyer at Gunner Cook, where she's a partner specializing in dispute resolution. Um, Hello, Rashmi. Hi, it's lovely to be here. Now, James, the title of your book is intriguing, The Nine Types of Leader. Uh, I wonder if you could kickstart our discussion by providing us with a short overview of what your book is all about, and also to tell us how you define these nine types of leader. Sure, Roger, certainly. And what a lot of people do ask is, how did you get to nine? Why did you stop? Uh, why was it not three or four? And and I think what I would say, first of all, so you alluded to my background as a, as a financial journalist. And after, after I'd done that for um, many years and was doing uh, um, you know, working slightly differently, working for myself and doing doing other things. I, I knew there was something I wanted to write about all the people I'd interviewed. And it's very interesting that the, the people on the panel, are, they've got all the qualifications. And I feel like I haven't got any of the, the, the relevant qualifications in this field, but I have spent a lot of time um, in the company of the the boss class, the CEO, the, the people I've um, either observed or filtered um 
through the the prism, the interesting prism of the CEO interview, the profile interview, if you like. So I've got hundreds of those under my belt. And I thought, well, what can I add to the sum total of understanding? You know, I'm not approaching this from an academic point of view, um, you know, not, not going to apply some, um, you know, fancy metrics to this and, and so on. I, I need to talk about the people and their careers and their, and their conversation. So I suppose when you do something over and over, and I've probably done about 400 of those full page interviews that you see in the, in, in the weekend papers, some of them have the side panel, what do you like for breakfast? What's your favorite book? And so on. What could I filter out of those? When, when you've done so many of them, patterns start to appear. And the first pattern that appeared was so many leaders spent their early lives at uh, Procter & Gamble. And I was really, really fascinated. What was it um, you know, about selling uh, shampoo and nappies and, and deodorant that meant um, 20, 25 years on, these people were leading um, the BBC or British Telecom or a whole range of companies? And um, so I dug into that, and then I started looking for other patterns. It became sort of a, a corporate happy families, if you like. And I grouped together um, all of the the interviews I'd done and sort of tried to s- stress test this taxonomy, who fits where. And um, and I thought nine just about did it. So, uh, I mean, some, some of the titles which we might touch on, fixers, lovers, alphas, campaigners, founders, humans – and the last three, sellers, scions, and, and diplomats. And I thought, well, you know, it, it's quite interesting, an interesting taxonomy. Um, how can I categorize these? How can I explain what their toolkit is? And how can I talk about when, where they work and, and where they don't work? And um, it seemed to hang together like a book. My agent agreed. He doesn't always. And, um, and so off we went. The challenge was... Um, if you've interviewed, you know, this is this is an issue of British business and is hopefully less of an issue going forward. If you've interviewed CEOs over a period of time, going back 20 years or, or 25 years, a real preponderance of white males. So what I needed to do to freshen up the book was I needed to internationalize it and I needed to diversify it. And uh, um, so I did fresh interviews you know, on the top and um, and uh, and that was the finished product. Well, thank you, James. And I wonder, uh, Patrick McDonald, if I could ask you what you make of this taxonomy. I mean, James has, has identified nine kind of categories of leadership, which I, you know, I couldn't but help think of, of another sort of ninefold framework: the, the Belbin's um, nine team roles, um, which, which, which he's used to actually to describe how you get different skills together to make an effective team. Do you feel that this kind of taxonomy works in order to categorise leadership? Well, I think that's a great question. I mean, I, first of all, I think um, I found it a very thought-provoking book. Um, it wasn't a taxonomy that I had thought of, uh, but I recognise all the types in there. Um, I thought it was a well, very well-written book. I thought it was a page-turner. There were lots of um, stories in there, uh, and we all like stories, and there were lots of uh, relatable incidents and um, formative moments. And uh, so I, I could see a lot of what James was talking about. It, it resonated strongly for me. Um, I think your comment about teams is very interesting. I, I recognize these types on teams and on boards a lot. Um, if I think through the, the board members of various organizations that I've been uh, uh, involved in or am involved in, uh, I see these types on boards as well. So I, I think it's not just CEOs that this taxonomy applies to. 
Um, and one of the messages I took away, which I find very encouraging, is that um, anyone can become a CEO. Um, you don't need a specific personality type. You don't need a specific approach to life. You don't need a specific sort of thought pattern. You don't need a specific training. Um, there are all sorts of uh, people here who have come up through all sorts of different routes with all sorts of different, you know, some are introverts, some are extroverts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I found that enormously encouraging. And the other thing I find enormously encouraging was that some people have changed. You know, you've got people in here who are categorized as sellers who have had to become fixers. Uh, you've kind of got diplomats who have become alphas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, and that, that's one of the things that I believe in, that you can develop yourself over time. Indeed, you need to develop yourself. You know, we all have strengths and weaknesses. We all have areas we need to work on, um, and it's important to do that. So, so um, for me, a lot of it resonated. It was very thought-provoking. Uh, I found myself arguing with myself about whether or not that was a valid taxonomy or whether this category really existed or whether that category was different from that category. Uh, so, so I find it very thought-provoking. Jennifer, I wonder if you think it's possible to be successful as, as a leader in so many different ways. I mean, I suppose the stereotype of, of the leader is like the, the military commander. Um, you know, it, it's someone like Elon Musk, perhaps, or, or um, uh, perhaps someone like um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg or, or a, a kind of tough, macho alpha male or alpha female um who behaves in a certain way but what this taxonomy appears to be suggesting is that that's just that's just one possibility that there are actually many, many avenues to to effective leadership you know based on your experience and your observation have you seen many different ways to be an effective leader absolutely roger and that's a very good question and once again i reiterate uh, what patrick said um the taxonomy mentioned in the book is really interesting because you've categorized nine types of leaders, but there's a commonality amongst all of them, and that's learning. So uh, to, to uh, describe a good leader across these different countries I've worked in is I think that person's always picking up on uh, what their uh, strong characters are, sticking to those characteristics and traits, and then trying to identify identify and adapt their leadership style, depending on who you're trying to be the boss of. So yes, I would definitely, for myself, I identify more as a campaigner, diplomat. You know, I, I, I was trying to fit myself into one of these. And again, also crossed over depending on what part of the career I was in or which country. Working in Luxembourg, for example, I noticed that you couldn't have a certain style that worked for every single culture. So and I, I like that James mentioned that you interviewed those from an international perspective. It does make a difference if, you, if you're talking to business people who have a French background or an English background or maybe Scandinavian or German, because they all will react to your leadership style slightly different. So you have to adapt that, maybe pick up on traits that cross over these different characteristics, but uh, listen, learn, and if you are good at that, then you'll always be a good leader, no matter what the size of the company or where you're working. Um, Rashmi, I wonder if you, what you thought of these different leadership types. I mean, did you recognize, for example, yourself or anyone that you know um, amongst any of these categories? I think the default is we always just try to identify ourselves and label ourselves. I mean, that's our initial instinct, isn't it? So I try to move away from labeling because I, I, the full 
that I have personally, and this is my a personal thing, is that if I label myself, I start thinking only in those terms. And when I looked at the, um, the different categories, it was interesting because I've fallen into almost all of them at some point, depending on the circumstances, but more importantly, it was depending on those that were influencing me at the time that were advising me as well. And that also changes, I think, the leader's behavior quite strongly. Um, I think the the categories, I think um, both um, Patrick and Jennifer are right in what they say. Um, and I noticed Jennifer was saying, um, you know, we should learn and adapt um, and be, we, we need to be flexible as leaders. And it's really hard for founders to move out of that leadership sometimes. Um, that's the biggest leap that they have. But once they've done it, they do adapt. Um, and what, what, what did I identify people? Yes, I identified lots of people. It, but interestingly, when I was identifying them mentally on who fits in these categories, they were predominantly what I would say white male. Um, I couldn't identify where I would place some other leaders that I knew on a more international scale. James, how fluid would you say these categories are? Do you think that we people can have you know parts of one category within them, another part of an, of another? Um, can can you change over time between your uh, between the different leadership styles? And and if indeed you can change, is that is that something that you can achieve through through tra- training your own personal um, experience, or is it something which is innate within you? Really, you're, you're going to have to fit in with into a certain category. Well, Roger, I do I do write in a get out clause as as every author must. Um, I mean, there are there are I I believe in these I believe in these nine categories, um, but I think uh, you know I will I don't rule out that you have um, you know. Uh, you know, one person might slice splice between two. You might have, um, you know, mixed bloodline, if you like. Do people develop over time? Um, I think they do. I, um, as, as Patrick says, because I think that the most enlightened ones are, um, you know, are learning all the time and and adapting. But I do think there's there's quite a lot of evidence of um, leaders who develop a toolkit at a certain time in their career. And and they go back to it time and again. And I would I would think of say the fixers category for that. So in the in the fixers chapter, I, I write a lot about um, what Moya Green did did at Royal Mail um, uh, about ten years ago to bring that company to market. I think it was technically insolvent when she took over, and um, and and you know it. it it was it was remade um, by bringing the unions um, behind what she wanted to do, and it made it onto the onto the stock market. Um, so I think she she is someone who's very much known for fixing businesses over and over again. And and it's I think I call them the Red Adair of business. You have to be of a certain vintage to remember who Red Adair was. But um, that's the sort of person that the board will go to when. A company is really in trouble, and I think then they get—they're the sort of person that means the share price, um, you know, you know, goes up, and they probably have two to three years to um, uh, to do their stuff. But I think there is evidence that those that 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 learn over time um, can adapt. Everyone that came back to me on this, by the way, um, I think I'm a human leader, they said, or possibly they said, I think I'm a campaigner leader. Nobody put the hand up and said, "Yes, James, you've got me. I'm an alpha," because I think part of it. Because I think part of the the um, what I was trying to get to is that I think there are leadership uh, styles um, 
so often it's about getting the right um, leader at, in in a, in a company's um, journey at the right time. So that's down to the the board um, being very enlightened. But I think also some lead, leadership types are of their time. You know, the alpha. It's interesting you talk about um, Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. Other than Silicon Valley, the alpha is out uh, uh, at the moment. Um, and absolutely um, the human and the campaigner. And uh, interestingly, I think, the, I think the family businesses, I think founders and scions are, um, are, 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 are very in at the moment. So, yeah, I think, um, the, I, yeah, I think, I think, I think there's, there's sort of a um, uh, trend in leadership. Patrick, one very basic question that we haven't explored yet is the definition of leadership in itself. I mean, th these are different um, styles and approaches to leadership, but what ultimately is is leadership trying to achieve? Yeah, well, we are tribal animals. Um, we're, we're just built that way. Um, and the leader is, by definition, the person who's trying to a former tribe and B, um, for want of a better word, lead the tribe in a certain direction. Um, so, for me, a leader is someone who uh, is able to get followers to line up behind them uh, and take them somewhere. Because you always you always want to go somewhere. You're always on a journey. The organisation is on a journey. Uh, you're on your own personal journey, and each person in the organisation is on their own personal journey. Uh, and as a leader. Your job is to help the organization work out where it's trying to get to, what, where that journey is going, and help them get there. So strategy and execution. And organizations are all about people. You know, they are, they are collections of people. They are tribes. Um, so it, the leader makes that all happen, pulls that all together, uh, and you can clearly succeed, see with hindsight where a leader has succeeded and where they haven't. It can be much harder when you're in the middle of it, to know whether you are in fact succeeding or not. Yeah. Jennifer, I, I mean, a lot of people uh, make the point that leadership is something different from management um, and that leadership is is more than just the, the sort of brute exercise of power, you know, telling people uh, what to do, forcing people what to do. Do you have any uh, kind of concept of what you think um, leadership actually uh, uh, creates or gives rise to? Good question, Roger. I think leadership uh, leads, uh, gives rise to inspiration. A good manager is very much part of the team, as is a leader, but the leader will stand out. A leader will encourage you to take that extra step. A leader will, you know, manage if you're, if you're a scion, it will, you know, keep that company going into the next generation. If you're a founder, it'll, it'll grow that company to a size that it hasn't been. So it's that, is that additional characteristic of being in front of people, yet being part of a team. I think that's that's very key. I mean, you could very easily feel that um, to be a good leader, you need to be the boss. You need to tell people what to do. But I think that's very much not what you should do. You should be a listener. You should be part of the team. But you will naturally stand out because of the characteristics that you have as a good leader. Rashmi, do you think there are any um, other common characteristics to good leaders, which which all each of these categories share. I mean, I'm, some that I have in mind are that a good leader is a good communicator, um, and a good leader also has a kind of a psychological insight into the the needs 
of the people that he that he or she is working with and the, the people that he or she is trying trying to inspire do you what do you think some of the kind of essential characteristics of good leadership are um I'm going to come back to your point about the having an insight to people's needs for for a moment. I'm just going to part that. And the other characteristics I think um, are essentially for me, which haven't been mentioned yet. uh, So I agree with those that have been is visionary as well um, as influence. So having been a founder myself and then grow, I would say you, the, the um, leader always has a vision of what they believe in and it's their job to influence those that are f- willing to follow them to believe in that vision. So there must be a great deal of influence in, in, in that leadership, um, particularly if you're a fixer and you're doing, in a turnaround situation, right? Because that's going to go against the grain. You're going to go against what people believe in. Um in terms of having the insight to the needs of those that are following, um, th- this can be split into two categories. One, um, sometimes, yes, they may have the understanding and an insight to what people need and require and, and provide that. But then sometimes having that insight, you might think, well, actually, what they think they need isn't what they need. And so you won't provide it. So that's one school of thought. The other school is they may not actually see what their needs are. And you do get those types of leaders who are still successful, but they're people that are not necessarily following, but doing, executing, are not happy. Yes. So it's a cultural thing then. Yes, yes. I guess, you know, a lot of people might just want to be left alone and uh, enjoy an easy life. But, you know, the a good leader presumably is not going to that that's not going to be the optimal outcome for a good leader yeah um, but, but james i wonder how you know your taxonomy and your your concepts can help um in the recruitment process of good leaders i mean i you mentioned previously that a good board of directors or a, or a good organization will want to think about it, what stage it's at perhaps in terms of its strategy in terms of its development and kind of match that to to, to the, the person with a certain type of uh, leadership category. But sh- should we use your taxonomy in, in, in our recruitment processes? I mean, I think it could, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to be held held accountable, obviously, in, in, in but I, I think <laughs> I'd be very happy for people to, for people to read and uh, and uh, and understand. I think the key to the, all this is self awareness. It's self awareness of the um, of of the individual, and and I think the self awareness comes back to um, what other people are saying about listening. Um, listening is is so vital, and that's why everyone has said to me, "Well, I'm I'm you know I'm a human leader now." Um, but I think yes, I think it's also it, it's awareness of what that individual skill set is. Um, it's uh, you know quite often you know seductive to accept a job when it's offered, but I think it's the case of the board, yeah, as, as you say, seeing where they are in uh, in their lifespan and, and the type of person that they need. I mean, it's so often um, the it's so often easy to um, appoint from within, and in fact, that's very often the sign of a successful company. I mean, you look at the um, the very elegant succession that's just took place uh, place at, at Diageo. Um, you know, it was very predictable that Deborah Crow would su- succeed Ivan Menahez. She'd been there a number of years. She'd run, I think, the US and so on. Um, but that that can often be the the um, 
the easy decision, but not often the the, the right decision. I think if 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 the board can see that the um, the company needs a fresh pair of eyes, uh, you know, a refresh, even if there isn't an obvious um, sign of crisis, and that's the time to to look for someone um, outside who brings in um, uh, almost tangential skill set, if you like. I would just make the point about um, uh, the the point about um, communication and um, and influence and so on. I think what what kind of maps onto to these nine types of leaders is is I've written since. Um, it's quite interesting to me where companies and at which disciplines now companies are choosing their leaders from. And I think the sellers category got me thinking about this. So many of these people, um, Procter & Gamble, I mean people like Gavin Patterson, Philip Janssen, um, uh, Tim Davey, you know, began, uh, they, had a, they had a brand, they were, in, they were selling a brand. So that ability to communicate the, the brand values, to understand the end market, effectively to start in marketing, um, has meant that what in some circles was seen as quite a flimsy discipline, you know, marketing, it wasn't operational, it wasn't financial. And now we have this generation of marketers who are at the, who are at the top of UK PLC. So it's quite interesting to me how um, the, you know, the, there's been that shift from, um, I suppose, uh, balance sheet capital to um, uh, towards human capital, if you like. And that's where the communicators come in. And, and following on from that, you know, we've seen comms directors now who are leading companies. And there's a few more instances recently where actually the HR director um, is getting to the top. Um, so you look at the, um, uh, and Jessup at the Royal Mint, for example, um, the woman whose name is briefly escapes me is now running Chanel, used to be at Unilever. So, the, so I, I think these are all uh, so that's a very long answer to a very short question, Roger, but I think these are all interesting trends. Yes. Well, now I'm just going to ask you for a final remark uh, before we conclude. And really, I suppose the, the question I'd like to put to you is, do you think this is going to be a useful book um, with useful ideas for IOD members? Would you would you recommend it to, to the IOD membership? I know James is sitting here and you're all very polite people, but uh, perhaps you could just uh, conclude with a, a couple of sentences each. But Patrick? Yeah, I think it's, uh, as I said, um, I think it's very thought-provoking. Um, it, it's something, it's a fresh way of looking at business leader types. And we're, we're always, uh, your question about recruitment, I thought was very interesting. You know, when we're recruiting leaders, we're always trying to figure out what sort of a person is this? What, what are, the, are, are they the right person for this organization at this time uh, and for the future? So I thought it was a fresh, thought-provoking way of looking at that question. Um, and uh, and I, I, I would recommend it to IOD members, yes. Thank you, Patrick. And Jennifer? Thank you. Um, yes, also um, read the book. It's very well written and provides a helpful toolkit on how to be a better communicator. It's also easy reading and fun reading with lots of different examples of people. Uh, I work with Anna Boutin as a, as an ad on Santander and an amazing lady, an inspirational leader. So, uh, you know, nice to see examples being put in the book. Also be yourself. Identify yourself with your leadership style. Understand your strengths and weaknesses. Never stop learning and stay true to your characteristics that identify you. We're an institute for directors run by directors. So Robert, you're already a leader. Let's help you to continue to grow as a great leader. Well, thank you, Jennifer. And Rashmi? Yeah, I would wholeheartedly recommend the book for a variety of reasons. 
Um, one is if you're, you know, in the Institute of Directors, where we are already leaders, as, as Jennifer says. So improving our leadership understanding is always critical. It is um, extremely useful to understand um, the different communication styles as well, I think. And that's a key learning um, from any leaders to take. But the stories, that's what I that really drew me in into the book was the stories and you know it's something that James has already said um, the reason why probably Procter & Gamble um, uh, previous employees have succeeded so well is because they can communicate stories and if you can communicate stories you're communicating your vision you're communicating your strategy um, and you're you're influencing your leadership um, and those that are following you so why wouldn't you want to read the book and improve? Well thank you Rashmi and I would just now like to to thank you, James, uh, for the for this excellent book. Um, it's really stimulated our discussion today, and I agree with with all of the other um, uh, discussants here today that it would be an excellent and very useful read for, for IOD members. I suppose you know my my conclusions about leadership are that um, you know it's a very it's almost like a magical concept. It's very difficult to get hold of, but we all, we all know how important it is. It, you know, it's all about, I suppose, getting people to want to do the things that you want them to do, not forcing them to do things, but getting them to really want, want to do them and to get behind it. And, and I do feel that a board, uh, leaders are not just born. There is a big um, sort of environmental aspect, training, personal development aspect to leadership. So I think we can all really benefit by, by reading this book, better understanding ourselves and, and, and helping ourselves to become better leaders. So thank you to, to all the speakers today and uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. hope that you have enjoyed this director's briefing podcast please do subscribe to our channel to ensure that you are kept up to date on our future podcasts you can find more information about our work on our website at iod.com forward slash news and on our linkedin and twitter profiles you can also contact us directly via policy unit at iod.com thank you